What is up, guys? It is the Blue Bloods, and we got a huge episode today. This one's been in the making for a little bit. We're talking the top NFL draft prospects from HBCUs going into the 2022-2023 NFL draft season, and I couldn't think of any better guests to bring on than my guys from Draft HBCU. My guy Gerald Huggins with me next to me, and my guy Malik Obi just got back from a huge opportunity to cover some NFL training camps, man. So these guys are super busy. I want to thank both of y'all for coming on the show. But before we get into the prospects, let everyone know how Draft HBCU kind of started and a little bit about each of your guys' backgrounds. All right. You want me to go first? All right. So Draft HBCU basically was something – it was a hashtag I thought of. I was like, hey, we got to we gotta separate. We got to have some niche. You got to have something to just distinguish our players. And it was just me on my own. And then my guy, Tim, he's not here right now. He was like, bro, I like what you're doing, but we got to take it further. And then G reached out. I was like, look, I'm trying to be down with the team. And I already knew what he was about, you know. So we just – and it went from there. And then my guy, Nooks, came on. We, we, he's not here right now. Um, but, yeah, we, 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 we built a team. And it was just like, look, we all devoted. We all went to HBCUs. We all understand the game of football. Um, you know, everybody comes with something different to the table, you know, and then we're just like, you know, we got to take this to a new level in terms of scouting evaluation on social media, you know, so um, we just like we all we all were like minded on it. And then for me, that was it. It just all clicked. And we, we just where we are. But I'm gonna let G tell his piece. But yeah, that's for me. Yeah, listen, I mean, I followed Malik for a couple years and then I just saw him drop this hashtag. I was like, yo, this is dope. So I sat around on it for a while while I was still doing my coaching thing, production thing, little writing on the side. And I was like, you know what? Let me just pull the plug and just holler at him. Because I talked to him on the timeline before. So I'm like, yo, this dude, we clearly, we see eye to eye on a lot of things. So I just rapped to him. And it took, what, 10 minutes? And then it was like, yo. We just ran with it. We just clicked. And then I was like, listen, bro, I'm, I'm a defensive line coach. I'm a trainer. Like, this is what I'm good at. Like, let me. That'll be my thing. I'll, I mean, I'll speak on other positions, but when it comes to like expertise and like, yo, Malik, you have to look at this guy, or, he'll, or Malik will come to me like, yo, gee, what you think about this guy? Like, all day, saying, every yeah. day, minutes, all day, a thousand percent. He trusts my word. Like we, we may disagree on certain things, but he a thousand percent. Like he's like, yo, gee, if you say this is the guy, then I believe you. So with that trust and with our other guys we got on board, it's it's a beautiful thing here. So I'm happy that Malik. You know, responded and now look at us now. We did a lot in our one yeah. year. Hey, listen, this is and for real. To be honest, I've been trying to do it for a while, but as a team, this is season two for us. So you know, all that in the past to me, I, I look at that as training day. And now we all in this together, you know. And and la the last season was really great for us. We learned a lot. We covered a lot of ground. We were able to come out with our game and all that stuff. So just being able to to grow and try to do something different and really drawing as many people as we can overall to HBCU sports and get an understanding of our culture and then tell them, all right, look, these are the players that we got and why they match up to the rest of the conferences, to the world, you know? That's our whole thing. Man, you guys have done an amazing job from, I mean, the player comparison posts you guys put together where you got film of, you know, the, the comparison and the player and all the breakdowns y'all do, man. I think – a lot of content creators, reporters are going to start picking up on y'all stuff and using 
what you guys are putting out there, man. I, I love it. That's why I reached out to y'all. But last year we saw we, we saw some guys like a Joshua Williams pop up where I was down at – I'm from Mobile, so I was at the Senior Bowl. He put on an absolute show day in, day out. Tyree Carter went down, put on a show. Now there's talk that he could be a starter for the Bears. We've heard about James Houston. A lot of these guys are going to do their thing. And next year's projected to be a big year. And so what we, got, what we did, guys, is I sent these guys my top prospects and a lot of their top prospects as well. We're going to kind of talk about them and their projections. And I might be a little biased. This guy, I know him personally. This is my guy. And as a former O-lineman, I love his game, everything about it, his attitude, his technique. Mark Evans II from UAPB, offensive tackle. This guy's, what, a four-time all-conference pick, was a preseason mm -hmm. All-American for Hero Sports. So, and gee, I'll start with you since you're the lineman guy. As a D lineman, I know you evaluate a lot of O lineman and their techniques. What makes Evans such a special talent at the offensive tackle spot? His hands are very strong. So for a defensive lineman, when you have an offensive lineman that can get his good punch, now a lot of good offensive linemen, as you would know, that good punch, when you get a really good punch and then you get a good grip on the inside plate of that defensive lineman and the guy cannot move, you're doing very well. And also on top of that, similar to Carter, because Carter played left tackle last year, but now he's transitioned to guard and he can also play center. But Evans has really good feet. Like, you know, you could tell. I don't know if he you – know, I, I, I didn't look into his background to see if he played high school basketball, but if he did, I would not be surprised. He has really good feet. And you need guys like that, those really athletic tackles, to be able to go against guys like who he goes against in the swag. When you have a, a swag where you got guys like Isaiah Land, you need to have – good feet you need to have strong hands because you need to have that ability to be not only to out strength the guy but you got to be able to work your hips and make sure you know you don't hold you got to the, my yeah. all the line guys always told me as long as you keep your hips in front hey listen it's not holding if you got him up here it's not holding so i love mark evans his athletic ability matched with his strength and he's very well decorated one of the most well decorated offensive linemen in the country so you just can't overlook that so he's definitely a top prospect. You hit a sprite right on the head with that one. Yeah, I mean, as a former O-lineman, I mean, listen, I, 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 he was one of the first guests we probably had on the show ever in terms of player interviews. And I think I think one of the things, looking back through his history, he came in a bit undersized coming into college, which is why he was really overlooked. And what I see is a lot of offensive linemen that have to develop size in college have to learn perfect technique or otherwise they don't have the they don't have that natural ability that kind of bails them out in right. in certain situations and so i think that really helped evans as he starts putting on size i believe he's they have him listed at 64 290 i don't think his frame could carry 300 easily in my opinion because i saw him at swag media day and i wouldn't be surprised if he's pushing 300 right now and i think looking at looking ahead he's played some guard he's played some tackle that versatility in the NFL is so important. I think as you're seeing with injuries and how teams want to rotate offensive linemen, being able to play multiple positions is your biggest selling point at a lot of positions now, but especially offensive line. And But like you said, his footwork, to me, I think is the number one thing that steps up on film. I mean, you never get him off his base, ever. Like, I've never seen someone strong arm him, get him, get him, you know, that pad level high. He's always in the same position. And also... I think he's in a unique spot where 
He also can't really get bailed out by playing with a lot of other elite offensive linemen. So he's had to step into that leadership role, which I think is going to be very valuable. But Malik, I know offensive line is not your main position, man, but just looking at him, how do you feel about him going to the next level? Well, I look at him kind of like how I look at Carter, who is he's on the second unit right now for the Bears, but he's playing right guard. He showed that versatility at the senior bowl. We were there. We seen him moving around in the offensive line. Um, you got Mark Evans, a guy uh, he's on the who's on the on the senior bowl watch list, uh, sponsored by Denny's and all of that. Like he, he's got the personality, he's got all of that. But on the field, one thing I noticed about him is that he looks for work. Like he's he's a clean. I mean, he's got that balance, like you said, in terms of. In terms of pass protection, he can move with the best. You got power rushers. You got everybody. You got Isaiah Land, whose get-off is incredible. And he can move his feet and, and stay in front of these guys. But when the play breaks down, you know, they got a lot of rollouts and stuff. He's looking for work. And he's going to clean you up. He's going to clean He's going to clean your. He's going to ring your bell. And, and, and the thing about him is, is, is durability, too. Like you said, he's been on the conference, all conference, all, what, all four years. But the yeah. thing is, he's there every game. And, and that's the thing is, he's not – he hasn't played with an, an abundance of, oh, like you said, O-line talent, and he's stepped up. He's been the leader. He's been he's been Mr. Durability every year, you know? So I, it's one thing I really like about him. I definitely think that he's going to go to Mobile. And I, at Mobile, sorry. And he's going to he's gonna shine. I think he's going to show his versatility against any type of edge rush you put in front of him. I'm hoping to see him in Mobile. I know I'll be down here. I swear I'm living right now. Before we move on, it, uh, so – you know, we'll start with you, G. Where do you see his draft projection right now? I know a lot can change over these next few months, but right now, if you had to kind of put a label on it, where do you see Evans projecting in the NFL draft? Evans, if he has another year, even better year than he's already had, and puts the tape on. And uh, I mean, people have noticed him, as we know, but I think people are really going to have eyes on him when they really see how athletic and how gifted this man can be. You have to, I mean, bare minimum, he has to be a day three guy. And I say at the highest, you got to be a day two guy. And that's just being just how the landscape of how the draft has been going, definitely for HBCU players. But we all know they love HBCU linemen. Lime, HBCU okay. linemen, they, they trust what's going on in the swag and the meag when it comes to linemen. Because I think out of a lot of our top players the past 10 years, linemen have been that, that staple. So they will take a chance on a swag offensive of lineman or even a meag offensive of lineman. So you have to at least – Project him day three at bare minimum. Um, for me, I'm gonna I'm gonna go on high end here. I definitely think I'm, I'm thinking round three or four because of the fact that he's a little bit more filled out than some of the uh, HBCU prospects at O line that we've seen seen in the past. But he's more polished than most. You know, that's the difference. I mean, you got a guy like Alex Taylor who's on the Browns, but he's 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 developing right now. I think Mark Evans a little bit further ahead than a lot of the prospects that we've had in the past years. And looking at the guys that he's facing, you gotta you know the resume is there, like you said. And this this year is going to be integral because. Uh, just as it was the case with Titus Howard uh, going against Auburn and all those guys, I think that out-of-conference tape this year will be the difference of how high he's drafted. I don't think it's a – whether or not it's a question will be drafted. I think a how high on day two or day three, um, like G said. But I, I, I'm, I'm on the high end. I'm thinking round three to round four right now. I'm definitely thinking that. I'm with you right there. I mean, I, I think he's one of those prospects. I mean, I know a lot of people said it about Marquise Bell, but I think a lot of people are on the same train with Jatari Carter where it was he's going to be drafted. There's no reason he shouldn't. He fell a little bit later than I personally expected. I thought I looked at Carter as a fourth, fifth-round guy, and that's kind of where I place Evans. I think if he goes down to Mobile, though, 
and puts on a real performance, there's a chance he can slide into that round three, maybe late second if a team falls in love with him, which is kind of what happened with Cole Strange, where he went down to Mobile, had a really good time, and the Patriots and Bill Belichick just said we, we aren't gonna let we aren't gonna let him pass up. And so hopefully that happens with Mark Emmons, man, one of my favorite players. But this guy right here probably has the most hype of any player coming out this year. Isaiah Lamb, Buck Buchanan Award winner, went probably one of the most ridiculous breakout seasons I think we saw in the SWAC last year. And for for you as a D-line guy, Jay, I, I know this guy gets you excited. I know they have him listed at linebacker. He's really an edge in my opinion. But what do you see from Landon? What makes him a prospect that gets you excited as a D-line coach? Like you said, his ceiling is so high. Like when you – like when I coach high school football, when a lot of coaches come to see our guys, they want to see, okay, if you have an edge guy, is he 6'4", is he about 215, 220? Because guess what? We, we can make you bigger. But this athleticism that you naturally have, this length that you naturally have, I can't coach that. So with him, he's about 6'4", 6'5". And I'm – I strong, I've seen, you know, some videos of him lately. He looks bigger than he was last year. So we could talk, if we're talking about Isaiah Lamb, where you throw that strength and the size on top of the 6'4 athletic, 6'5 athletic frame, this guy's a freaking nature. His get off is impeccable. I will say, top three get off I've seen, I've been scouting at least HBCU football. Of course, I lost Dumas. Dumas has a great get off from the interior. Uh, I got my, him and Jordan Lewis, they might be tired for like, that number two spot with that get-off. Their get-offs are impeccable. Jordan Lewis from Southern. Um, and then Land is a, probably the most polished pass rusher I, we have on this list and out of all the HBCU pass rushers that we see. You can see he has the most of the moves. But the biggest thing with a lot of speed rush guys, they need to have counters. He has counters. Okay? So, yes, he could blow by you. He could make the offensive lineman turn his shoulders completely and just end up just running up the field to try and block. He could do that. However, now, when he started going against better competition, he learned, oh, okay, I need to start throwing some counters, too. So not only do I do my little speed rip, I can speed rip, get the quarterback dead, now I can probably spin inside, and I can fall inside, I can throw a chop, cross chop, all these different things, double swipe, swipe. He can do all these moves. And I know I'm confident that he's been working on it. And the biggest thing I say for him, I said on the podcast yesterday, locked on sports, locked on XBCU. If they can showcase him dropping into coverage, and he does well, we're talking about a second-round pick here. We're talking about a first-round pick. If he yeah. can showcase the ability to drop back into coverage and look, you know, look not look like a you know baby giraffe, he will look his he will skyrocket. His draft stock will skyrocket because we all know he could rush the pass. And yeah. it's, you know, against the run, people knock his run, you know, his play against the run, but he was he's improved. He's improved, and he's been he was top five in tackles for loss out of every defense, division one conference. That's FBS and FCS. So it's there. He's just actually get bigger, which he's doing. So that one thing, if he can show now Willie Simmons, if you hear this, drop him into coverage, drop him in the flats, drop him into hook curl, and let's see rise his draft stock. That's the one thing I think will make him a clear first second round pick easily. The one problem you might have, I think that what worries me about Land's usage this year is that I don't know if they have a Savion or someone like that at the other edge spot where if they drop him into covers, they can get to the quarterback consistently. Because when you combine Gentle Hunt and Savion at the D-tackle spot, man, you might not even have to rush two edge guys. Like those guys, I mean, when you go look at the Southeastern game, which Isaiah Land, a lot of people are critical of his film in that game, but Gentle Hunt and Savion went berserk in that game. I mean, Cole Kelly had to get outside 
repeatedly because they were dominating the center, center and guards throughout that game. But Malik, I'll come to you. I know, I you know, D line is 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 G's thing, but I want to ask you this question though. Isaiah Land flirted with the transfer portal this year. I know because I, I worked for On Three Sports. Auburn had him on like on campus was go, had an offer like he had multiple Power Five offers. How important was it for FAMU to keep Isaiah Land on the roster, and what does that mean for the SWAT moving forward that they were able to keep the be- arguably the best defensive player in the conference this all season? Uh, I think it, it it showed dividends of how far FAMU was coming. I think we got to remember. I think that was 2019. I know somebody correct me uh, when they didn't even have a pro day. You know, um, yeah. so across the board, we're talking about a team that with with a guy in Marquise Bell that's gonna probably start for the Cowboys. A lot of talent that they got. Savion is gonna get picked up somewhere, get another opportunity, and they got so much talent to build on. This year, they. Who's to say that they're not going to go to SWAC, you know, back to, to the promised land of SWAC? Who's to say? You know, so uh, I think it, it, it really meant a lot because if you look at 17, 18-year-old kids and, and you look at the SEC, because he had everybody damn near from the yeah. SEC, and, and to say, okay, well, what the hell is it about FAMU to keep this guy there? That's what you got to think. It's not about a lot of, for us what we think. It's about what the youth thinks. You know, these are the kids that you want to come. And – He's not only bought into the culture, but you got Deion Sanders reaching out and saying, nah, this you you can't do this, you can't say that, this and that and the other. And I think that for him, whatever it may be, I can't think for him, but I, I think that for him it was bigger than just going to the SEC. Or, you know, because he could have went to any of them. You know, he could have went anywhere. He could have went anywhere. And it's, it's no guarantee that he'll have the same impact. I think that he saw – the opportunity to say, okay, I flirted with it, and this is what I could have had. And now what should happen this year, it should be I can exceed those expectations at this school. And if he does that, it's going to open the door for so many other players. Like if if Marquise Bell, okay, he didn't get drafted last year. He should have. Um, if Isaiah Land does his thing this year and puts up the numbers that he put up last year, drops back in coverage, does all of these things that we want to see, that you would ask of him if he was at an SEC school at FAMU and they dominate and do all this and the other, that opens the door for FAMU every year. We're talking about pipeline. It's it's no questions asked. It's it's different, you know? Uh, Recruiting, everything is different. Everything changes, changes, and it's it's changing right now. So this is – that's major. It's it's, it's very major. I'm happy that it happened. I I was really – I really thought he was gone. (laughs) Oh, I did – I did too. I, I, as I know for a fact, LSU, Auburn, all those schools were on him really, really hard. Because I mean, right before he announced his return, I, I had to produce a podcast for On Three where they were discussing how he would fit into Auburn's scheme. Like that's how real it was. And then, like right after the episode, he announced he was coming back. I was like, that is insane. But we heard, we, we heard, G first round pick potentially if everything goes right. And I did hear from someone at FAMU that he, they said he was at two thirty. That's the last I heard is that he has 15 pounds on him. And I got to interview him and stand next to him at Swag Media Day. That's a big dude. Listen, I'm 6'1". That's a big dude, like, standing next to him. So where do you feel like he would project in the NFL draft if everything goes according to plan and he has another big year for FAMU? Who? You go ahead, Malik. Look, this is my thing. This is how I look at, at Isaiah Land. This is the archer type. I'm looking at three to four players who he plays like. So I got Isaiah Land here, and I don't want to say basement because I feel like this is a guy that's going to have a breakout year in the NFL. I think that a player that he reminds me of at the next level is 
Darrell Taylor, who I feel like can be like uh, what's his name? Damn, uh, Leonard Floyd. So that's the ceiling for us is Leonard Floyd for Isaiah Land, you know. So I think he's his body still filling out. When he gets to the next level, you know, he's going to be a, a, a special package guy, probably. Um, and then develop into the pass rusher that we think he'll be. Like Leonard Floyd took a little while to do, but this is one of the best players in the league now. Um, I definitely think, like I said, it, it all goes well. We're talking about a day one guy here. I mean, but I mean, to be honest right now, I probably think he's about a fourth round pick. I think he's a fourth-round pick. I think if he goes down to Mobile or goes to Vegas, uh, fourth, third, fourth round, I don't, I don't see how you know he's going any lower than that. I, I, I definitely think with what you have, what you see, what what you have, man. It's like I said, you look at Darrell Taylor. He wasn't all the way. He's not all the way complete now, but the Seahawks have something special in him. And I think like what you said, G, with his run, with his run support. It's not all about the pass rush. It's not all about the get off. He get he get it gets ugly in the trenches. He get down in there. He forces fumbles. He makes plays. He's always around the ball, you know. And like I said, he he's winning against the best. Go watch that tape against Carter. Uh, all of these guys that he has to face, it's, it's it's steep in the in the swag. So I think he's a special talent. Round three or four, right now, right now. Then I mean, if anyone's doubting him, just go watch that South Carolina State film. I went back and watched that game. I, it was like yesterday. And I mean. I, I don't I, I don't know how he had a game like that, man. That that was absolutely insane watching him in that game. But another you know, another player who I think I know there's a big debate in the FCS community right now about who's the best tight end in the country because you got Everett and you got Tucker Craft at, at South Dakota State. For me, I don't think it's a debate. It's Kamari Everett, in my opinion. I think Kraft might have the blocking, but when you're talking about where the NFL is going, and I look at Kamari Everett, I see the best of Kyle Pitts and Darren Waller, and it's just he's that type of player. Where I, I, I don't know if you guys saw Darren Waller had an interview with one of the Barstool podcasts where he was like, I, there's not a linebacker you can put on me, and that's what Kamari Everett is. is if you put a linebacker on him, he's going for 100-plus that game. So, Malik, I'll start with you. What about Kamari Everett makes him just such a nightmare to at that tight end spot? His athleticism for one. Like you said, he can line up anywhere. I, I thought my comp was good. You, you saying, wow. I'm like, damn. I, I thought he reminds me a lot of Mercedes Lewis in his prime Mercedes Lewis. Like, this guy can line up anywhere. He's too big. His catch radius is too big. He's too aggressive. He's too physical. Um, look at that. Go watch him against Alcorn State. You can't press up on him, not with a linebacker, not with a safety, not with any. I mean, so he, he can he can run routes. You know what I'm saying? He's pretty good on the route tree. Uh, in the open field, this big dude, he 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 picks up speed. You know what I'm saying? And he's a bowl, he, he's a bowling ball and it's, it's hard to bring him down. Um, like you said, in the NFL right now, man, you look at, at these guys that's athletics. That's athletic. That's six five, six six, six seven, six eight. That can move around on a line of scrimmage and go up the seam, at, or you know, run a post, whatever. I mean, he can do it all. Like, and I mean, if he was at Louisville, we'd be talking about him pretty high right now. I mean, and and and, and the situation happened, and he got out of there, and it, and it, and it worked out for the best for him. And right now, he's going to go down to Mobile or somewhere and dominate. You know, I flat out. I'm gonna let G tell you, but yeah, he's a beast. <laughs> <laughs> man 
yeah, he's I'm gonna keep mine short because there's really not much we could we all in the grants here. This guy yeah. he he might be my number one overall HBCU prospect, just to be honest with you. I agree. He, yeah. He's just because like he's arguably like just he's just a like, he's six six. They, they say two sixty. He looks bigger than that to me. But yeah, he's a six six, we're getting about two seventy, two sixty five, jump ball. He has this. I've seen him run past people. I've seen him run past corners. I've seen him out, out jump the corners. I've seen him out jump the safeties. I've seen him. I've seen him get a little nasty sometimes with the defensive lineman. It happens. You know, he's not the most polished blocker, but that will listen. We all know. Like you see, Travis Travis Kelsey don't love blocking. He'll do it. But, oh, yeah. You know, George Kittle. Now he likes blocking. That guy. Yeah. Like Maybe him. like a Mark Andrews sometimes yeah, potentially. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like you can. He has the ability to block, but we're you're way more viable up the seam. So I'm gonna need you mm-hmm. to run. So very simply, he he is just what the NFL wants. He is literally that. That he is just is so. When we talk about like projection outside of land, and if he has this like you know this another kind of like a not another breakout season, but a season where he just improves on the little things, and he just has that perfect season. But ever and considering what he's Let's call it spade a spade. Yeah, who he, let's yeah I was about to say that was, you took my point right out of my mouth. That quarterback situation might have been one of the worst in the swag. And he made it work. And he had was 800 plus yards and 10, yeah. 10 touchdowns plus. So I'm cool with that. I'm imagine if he was at Alabama A and M. You know, just just saying. So we have a different guy. <laughs> you know we're talking about today, but they got their own damn guy. You know, so yeah. So that's how I look at ever. He's he's just so. Overall, he doesn't really have too many flaws. And when it comes to the FCS level, he's just – we all know he's an FBS guy, whatever that may mean. Guys, yeah. I hear that term thrown around a lot. But he didn't have any fall off. He like, okay, he did what he did in Louisville, and then he just continued to get, get better and better. So that's all you can ask for. He's my number one prospect on, on the board. Uh, we asked for projection-wise. Ceiling, I'm going to say first round. He's not leaving the third round. There's no way. There's no way he's leaving the third if Jalen Jones has a good year, or or Walter Simmons, my bad, I got to throw him in there because he's a stud from ECU, and I've talked to his dad, and that kid can sling it. Okay. Man, 50, 50 plus catches over eight hundred yards, ten touchdowns. If he gets a a B plus quarterback, I mean, you're looking at fifteen hundred yards, fifteen touchdowns this year at minimum in some places. Because you look at Fam, you the Fam you game last year, he had two touchdowns and over 60 yards against a really good secondary where they had safeties who could come in the box and su- supposedly would be able to guard him, and they couldn't stop him. So I think I agree with both y'all. I, I think I'll say this. He's a first-round talent, mm-hmm. but we know the perception with FCS yeah. and HBCU athletes, yeah. possibly a late second, early third. But if he goes out there and puts up – you know, because I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility if he gets good quarterback production that he could lead the swack in receiving. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. really and truly, or touchdowns at least, because I believe he was top five last year yeah. anyway. Oh, t- yeah. Yeah. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if he could be a day early day two guy, depending on how things work out. And I think in terms of tight end talent, because I've looked at the FBS guys coming out, I don't know if you can make a good argument against that he's not the best tight end in the country right now. Yeah. Really and truly. I mean, I'm I'm not trying to be biased, but I don't see a tight end in the FBS that's really on his level right now in terms of what he brings to the table. Sure. So I think for him, uh, realistically, like he says, two points. Uh, Quarterback play, uh, which since even at Louisville wasn't the most stable situation for him when he was there. Uh, And secondly, I think it'll be come down to how well he interviews. 
Uh, I think when he goes to, to an in Indianapolis and all that, you know, really talking well to teams and stuff like that, I think that'll pay dividends for him. Um, mm -hmm. But either way, we're talking about a proud, another Bethune-Cookman guy in the NFL, first since Nick Collins, Super Bowl champion Nick Collins. So it's y'all got a lot to, to be happy about down there in Daytona Beach. So yeah, way go. Yeah. Shout out to Terry Sims for landing that commitment too, because I mean he could have went anywhere. <laughs> yeah. it, you know, especially after last year too, he could have transferred again and got offers from every school in the country. Man, so shout out to that coaching staff. But we're going to Malik's specialty here, defensive back, and this is a guy who I think, because of him playing in the MEAC in that conference for some reason, not really getting the attention mm -hmm. and the shine and Norfolk not really being the main school right now. Brandon Savage to me, just looking at the film as a guy who kind of looks at DB play, but I didn't play it. So I don't know it as well as you do. I like this kid. I think he has that. He just has that it factor about him. Malik, what do you like about Brandon Savage from Norfolk state? Well, I think like you said, first, one thing, the one thing that Norfolk did, they, they finished the season bad. They, they had a chance yeah. to win, run, run the table and win a MIAC and they didn't do it. Uh, Brandon Savage is, as G said, an FBS corner. I hate to say that. He's 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 a dynamic talent. I think that this year he's going to show out in the in the MIAC and he's not going to get thrown to a lot. He's already proven over the last what two years that he's not a guy you want to throw to. He's very disruptive when the ball is in the air. He, I think he had like I don't even know how many pass deflections he had last uh, year. Ten. Yeah, he, he he's very aggressive when the ball is in the air. Uh, one game to watch. Go back and watch them against Hampton. That was a great game uh, against Jada Kiss Bonds and, and, and all of the talent that they got over there. Bigger receivers. He's faced fast receivers. He can line up in, 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 in the slot. He can do a lot with a lot of guys. They got two good, well, a couple of good corners over there. Uh, Justin Toller, he's another one. But Brandon Savage, he's got long arms. I, I can't wait to see what, he, what his measurements are. Uh, he's about six probably probably six one but his speed his speed is what what's what, what's the great thing about him he reminds me a lot of eric stokes this is just me personally his recovery speed is great he can press up on you he can play off man he can do well he can do it all and he's not afraid to tackle he, he's kind of aggressive i mean i, I like him I, he's 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 solid and the thing is he's progressed over the years i think that he had a lot of pass deflections in the past but he, he was a little bit handsy i think now he's a little bit more disciplined he relies on his recovery speed recovery speed more he can try to pressure at the line if he gets beat he know he can he can keep up with anybody you know so that's the thing i like about him i'm really looking forward to seeing him i think he'll end up in vegas um at, at the shrine bowl and i'm looking forward to seeing him matched up with uh, a lot of the bigger corners out there because i feel like one thing that he does really well is track the ball in the air he turns around he always gets his eyes on the ball he plays on the ball really well so i'm looking forward to him having another big year i think he'll have a lot less uh, pass deflections. I think teams will try to test Toler with some of the younger DBs more, and then that's a mistake. But um, yeah, I really like Brandon Savage a lot. I mean, for me, just looking at it from kind of my perspective, he looks real fluid too with just his movement, and that's something I when I look at DBs, that's one of the first things I look for is they look real stiff. They don't turn very well. They 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 lose that speed when they try to break or anything like that. That that kind of worries me. But with him, it's just he looks so just fluid with all his movements, and I think that helps him track the ball well because he doesn't have to worry about keeping his balance, losing any speed. He can just be in that spot and that matchup with Shaq Davis I'm so excited for this year 
that is going to be an amazing one-on-one battle. I'm hoping they have, I'm assuming they would have to have him on there. They could put Toller, but I, I would like to see Savage versus Shaq Davis. But G, what do you, what do you see from Savage and where do you see him winding up in this next NFL draft class for defensive backs? Well, based on what happened last year, I think, you know, DBs in the HBCU community, we looking pretty good right now. Definitely. Yeah. In the yeah. So I mean, <laughs> you know, we, they're going to take a shot on somebody. And, you know, we have a few guys we got to talk about. And, you know, he might be the one or two, one of the two guys they take a shot on. But they're definitely, I can say, we could probably agree, maybe at least four HBCU corners, defensive backs, that you got to say, okay, this guy may have a shot. Savage, you know, I'm a D-line guy. I just like to see a guy that likes to tackle, too. And I think uh, his junior year, he had, I think he had over 50, over 50 tackles yeah. his junior year. And last year, he had like 30-plus, so. He's a willing tackler. I like that. I like a guy that's aggressive. And I think he's about, Malik, you said about 6'1". So, yeah, he's probably yeah, about 5'11", like 6'1". Kind of skinnier build, but he's athletic. And you can tell some kids are just born to play a certain position. Like, he was born to be a defensive back. That's why it looks so fluid, as you would say. Like, everything looks fluid. Everything looks natural. Like, he doesn't look – he doesn't get freaked out if, like, a receiver beats his press or something like that. He just, okay, good. Just find it, find it, find it. And he gets right back into his instincts. Like, he's very instinctual, too. So, I'm just going to just, you know, just play it safe. You know, let's say he has a great year, goes down the Shrine Bowl, has a good showing. We'll give him, you know, day three or yeah. undrafted, priority undrafted, a guy like that, XFL. You got to love to have all these options, USFL. Yeah. So, but worst case, he's going to get into someone's camp. You know, he'll be into someone's camp and then, you know, just based on his athletic you know, his ability, like, he's going to open up eyes, you know what I'm saying? And like Malik said, you know, he might be in a different light if Norfolk would have won those two those two games that they lost at the end of the year. You know, they have been playing the celebration, but now do I think the result would have been the same? No. no. Probably not. No, no, no. <laughs> this, that, South Carolina, that was a whole other thing. But, yes, there would have been more attention if they would have played longer, but it happens. The right people know about him, us. Yeah. And we're going to make sure that we showcase all his abilities. So, yeah, I'm going to give him, you know, priority free agent or late or XFL invite, you know, something like that. But the guy's a great player. Very great player. Malik, you agree with that day, day three? I'm a little bit more optimistic out of the gate right now because I feel like only because I feel like he's uh, he's the he's the he's in the middle. He's the middle ground between our previous two uh, corners that were drafted. So, like, Josh Williams and mm-hmm. Kobe Durant. He's He has more size than Kobe Durant, uh, but he's not – if we're looking at measurements, he's not Josh Williams. But he's a he's a perfect balance of uh, versatile man, uh, press and off-man corner uh, with good size. He's not a freak uh, in terms of height and weight and everything, but he's a, a very good athlete. Uh, I think that this can be for him a Jacoby Durant type of year, which will start for him with out-of-conference play, which I try to emphasize so much. I think that right now he's – I'll give you a better example. Looking at Bobby Price, Norfolk State, uh, how how does he measure up to Bobby Price? Was was he a better uh, prospect than Bobby Price? Um, that's a good question. Uh, at this moment, I'm going to say no. I really, really like Bobby Price. I really like them. Um, I think that he's going to get drafted at this point right now. I do agree with G. He's 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 in that range right now. I think that uh, depending on what he does this year, 
like we said, uh, the Shaq Davis, the Antoine Murray, uh, the, the Howard, the Otter Conference play, and and um, all of the guys, uh, Halsey, all of the guys they got at Delaware State, all of that, everything. You got it. I mean, for this year, I think he comes in there and, and does his thing where either he does have high production with turnovers and, 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 and pass deflections or he just flat out shuts everybody down. I think that if he, you know, if he does that, we're talking, like I said, a, a, a day, day three, early day three guy, you know what I'm saying? Get invited to go down to Vegas and go over to Vegas or, 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 or uh, senior bowl or NFL PA. I mean, I, the precedent for me is, is is four or five bowl games that I know it's like, okay, you get in one of these, you're good. I think he's 100% playing in the NFL. It's just a matter of up to him where he goes from here because you got to look at it like this. He's one of the best HBCU corners right now, but what what is, what is he going to do to separate himself from the rest of the corners that's trying to get to the shrine to senior bowl, et cetera. Cause we, we see it's going to be five, six flat out six, one, 185 corners coming from the conference USA and this and that and the other, this is the year that he has to prove it. You know what I'm saying? I think he's a, a flat out beast, but we know the measurement, we know the measurement. So I think if, if getting drafted is good enough, he's going to coast by, but I think he's gotten way more than that. I think he's going to up his stock this year. Yeah, and I think the DB position is going to be one that's very interesting. I think you got a lot of guys at the FCS level too that are all coming back. You got a lot of fifth year guys that probably should have already been gone, but due to the COVID year, are all coming back. So it's going to be very competitive. And a guy you mentioned, South Carolina State, Jablonski Green. I mean, went crazy. <laughs> I mean, toward the end of this. I mean, listen, I don't think he was on a lot of people's radars. I'll be honest with you guys until. It came down to late in the season, and then people went back and watched the film and was like, oh, this guy is 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 really different. So, G, I'll start with you as the D-line guy. Jablonski Green, give me your rundown. What do you see from him? Well, let me just start off with his comp. He's a big, physical 3-4 to me outside linebacker. He's Lamar Woodley. Mm-hmm. Yes. So when I first started watching him play, I said, that is – I call, I t- no, I don't know if I called him a text. I'm like, yo, this dude is <laughs> Lamar Woodley. I'm telling yeah. you, he's big. He's physical. He's violent. He's very. He's deceptively fast, and he has really good feet. Now, when he's a pass rusher, he's a power rusher. So, you know, with the power rusher guys, he's going to long arm. He's going to stutter bull, two to one, long arm. He might fall inside, long arm. He might throw a spin in there. I love watching him play. Against the run, he's probably, you know, between him, Anderson, and, like, uh, Broken Bird. Those are, like, my top edge, like, run defenders. He loves to stop the run because I know it's just not, you know, it's not the coolest thing. Nobody goes to defensive line training like, hey, I want to learn how to stop the run. Nobody does that anymore. But that's fine because I love to see guys like him. It's like, okay, listen, I'm about to close this gap down. This tackle is not going to knock me out. He's not going to make this B gap wider. I'm going to squeeze you down, make it bounce out to me, and I'm going to make the play, and I might force a fumble, which he did on multiple occasions last year. When you talk about the FAMU game with Isaiah Land, <laughs> <laughs> you saw what, what Green was doing, yeah. so it's like, yeah, like I know everybody loved the sacks that you know, and what, what Land was doing was great. But if you just look at the totality for the, uh, the from the run and the pass, Jablonski had a very similar impactful uh, impact on that game. He had a very similar impact. I mean, let's just call it spade a spade. Cyclone State's defensive line is loaded. Them guys have played yeah. with each other for about two, three years now. They're all getting bigger, faster, stronger together. And 
DeBlanca Green was picked defensive player of the year for that reason. He is the leader of that defense. He is the guy that you have to watch out for. If you do not block DeBlanca Green Jr., he's going to destroy your offense. He he makes that very clear. So I mean, <laughs> I like like most of the edge guys. I'll just say that one thing. I want to see him drop back a little bit because you know South Carolina State's defense they have the ability to do that because their zone blitz schemes are insane. Oh, <laughs> that DC will not be there too much longer. He keeps going. <laughs> There's no way. It, they, somebody's going to take him. But what, like, his, his own blitz is that. He's in Seattle. He's in Seattle. Oh, right. He, he, he was a yeah. yeah. Listen, I'm just, brother, keep doing what you're doing. But <laughs> with that scheme, is showcased he can drop out. He can fake a blitz and drop back into coverage. Or he can fake like he's going to drop the coverage and go in. Rush the quarterback. So he's in a perfect situation. And you already know with South Carolina State, they have the formula. We're going to play one of the South Carolina State, I'm mean, one of the South Carolina schools a year. Either it's Clemson or South Carolina. So they have their game. I don't think he played in the game last year. I think he, I don't think he played in the game last year, if I'm not mistaken. I got to make sure, but I don't think he played in the game last year against Clemson. But this year, they play against South Carolina, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. That mm-hmm. is his game. Yeah. He, is he, he's the best player because Leonard did it, Argrave did it. Durant did it. Oh my! The, the list goes on. Yeah, this yeah. is his. For people that weren't aware of him last year until late, watch that game. Watch that game. When yeah. He showcases that he is just as strong, just as fast, just as athletic to compete against South Carolina. People are like okay, they already got him on everybody's watch list. So now yeah, they yeah. going to confirm it. So that game's going to confirm it, and then he's just going to tear through the MIAC. And you know. For most people, we expect to see him play against the swag school down in Atlanta in a few, you know, yeah. few months. So that might just end it all perfectly. And then we got HBC Legacy Bowl, Shrine, Senior Bowl. We go. He might do what uh, Houston did. Houston did too. Two bowls. Yeah, went to both. Yeah. <laughs> he might do what he did. So that's just, he He might be that well decorated. And like I said before about the tackles for loss, he was number one in the FCS in tackles for loss. I think he averaged about 2.2 per game. That That's not. It's not easy for people that don't understand football at all. It's a loss. But people, but a people loss. that watch yeah, the a... <laughs> they know. If you can get two tackles for loss a game, you're you, you're determined. That means you know what you're doing. That means you love to stop the run. So that's my guy. Love him. Love him. Love him. I mean, his athleticism, it, it, not only that, but I think the aggression he plays with too is something that's really special because I, I, I don't – I've watched a little bit of film on him – him on stunts is is damn near unblockable because he's just comes like when they I think it was that play where they forced to fumble on Shador they did like a twist yes. or something if I remember right yes. and he came around so fast I don't even know if the guard saw him before he was already grabbing Shador nope. I mean as an offensive lineman it gave me nightmares to watch that because I was like oh my god like he didn't even see him come yeah. around the corner oh for I sure. mean. Yeah. Yeah, the way they – and I think that goes back to, like you said, the defensive coordinator. The way they can disguise their blitzes, the way they scheme it up, their stunts, and how disciplined they are when they stunt. Because I know you as a deep as a D-line coach know that sometimes when you stunt, get a little excited, you might go a little bit too wide, you might end up in the wrong spot, and that really could open up a hole and allow a big play. They're so disciplined, and so is Dubowski Green. And when they stunt, when they twist, whatever they do, they're always in the right spot, and they always are coming with bad intentions. And I don't—you can't coach that. No. I know as a coach, you you can't coach a mindset with a player 
really like you got to come with that aggressive like well i'm about to go make a play mindset but malik looking at it is jablonski green for you the next south carolina because i mean let's let's be honest south carolina state's the gold standard when it comes to sending guys to the nfl (laughs) and those guys make plays is jablonski green the next one for south carolina state i'm gonna be honest with you and this is how good they are I can't just flat out say yes. I think it's a 1A and a 1B. I think when South Carolina State plays South Carolina, Jablonski Green and linebacker B.J. Davis both have an opportunity to say, okay, we're launch pad. We're going to the NFL right here today. So Jablonski Green, I think for HBCU football, he put on the most dominant uh, performance in an HBCU game that mattered for setting the precedent for the future. Like, we're going to always go back and watch last year's Celebration Bowls. You know what I'm saying? And he, that that's the that's the precedent for that for that event going forward. You know, not looking back to ANT years and all that. But right now, the next guy that gets in that Celebration Bowl, that's a D-line. You want to up your stock. You want to get on the Shrine Bowl. You want to get on the Senior Bowl list and all that. This is how you do it. And, I mean, he had a flat-out dominant year. He got he, – he capped it off. Well, he had a flat-out dominant end of the year. Like you said, he came on very strong at the end of the year. Capped it off when it mattered. Flat-out dominated, like you said. You can't double him. You couldn't do anything with him. You force him fumbles. He's coming up. I mean, he was incredible. He's contained. He's doing everything. So uh, he set precedent with that for the Celebration Bowl. Um, I, I just think that once they once they play the Gamecocks, this is this is this is the game. That's one game that everybody should should have marked on their calendar. I definitely think that. Green and Davis are going to get to the NFL off the off of this game. That's another guy that you know we won't talk about today, but I, yeah. I think we'll have to have y'all back on because there's so many guys that yeah. could do. Listen, he's different at the linebacker spot. Speaking of linebackers, we got a guy who I just mentioned aggressive mindset, and this guy <sighs> uh, is is looking to hurt somebody when he when he hits the hole, and that's Aubrey Miller who. Came in first team all swag selection, uh, 109 tackles, 11 and a half for loss, six and a half sacks. Was the guy in the middle of the Jackson State defense, Malik? I'll start with you. What is it about Aubrey Miller that just made him such a perfect fit at that linebacker spot for Jackson State? I think because he was the size and aggression last year. Uh, Keontae Hampton was very efficient, but he was a little bit of a smaller linebacker. Uh, looking at Aubrey Miller, he can take on those blocks. He can he can shed those blocks, and he's improving, and he's and he's harnessing that energy in the right way. Over the course of the year, I felt like he realized that, you know, we do have one one of the top defenses in the country, but I, you know, I can't just go head first at everything. I got to understand my assignments and, and 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 use his hands more. You know, you know, he's he's he got a lot better with his counters and, and being able to shut those blocks. I felt like through over the course of the year and oh, since since he's transferred, um, so I feel like that uh, he's continuing to evolve as a player. There's a lot of angry players. I think there's a lot of guys that play angry, but they don't play controlled. I think that he's gotten under control. His range is is, is what's going to stand out. And I think that it's going to be uh, vital, vital for them to continue to showcase his range. Uh, he's going to continue to grow. And he's, he's going to have to continue to grow in, in coverage, uh, dropping back and, and just really observing the field and, 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 and taking good angles in pursuit uh, when it comes to pa- in passing plays. But um, I think that this is one of the most fiery players. He's he's a situation starter. He's When I think of angry, I think of like a Jannard Avery. I think of those guys, not necessarily a comp, but like 
that that they just they just fire off the line of scrimmage. You know what I'm saying? The play is not over to the whistle blows. I mean, they just he's just everywhere. That's the type of player that I think about. Like that one play that just it gets the defense off the field. They they they, they shut that drive down because of this guy. He's that guy. Like he's a situation starter. He gets it right. He comes in in certain packages. He could do whatever. He and he's efficient, like you said. Uh, he he can rack the tackles up. He he's he's definitely a, he's he's definitely a guy. He's definitely a dude. And, G, looking at his game, what do you want to see from Miller to really establish himself as one of the top HBCU linebackers going into next year's NFL draft? I mean, personally for me, uh, I think the stats don't really help him in the pass coverage, you know, realm. But I think he's very – I think he's a very serviceable pass coverage linebacker. You know, I I know at Jackson, they run a lot of man. They run man pretty much (laughs) – all the time, but and that yeah. that bodes well for him in coverage because listen, it's not too many conferences in the FCS, and you get tested this where you gonna have these these running backs are just so. It's, well, it's a different. You have like Caleb Johnson from a uh, Mississippi Valley, more of like a thumping kind of back that has some speed. But then yeah. you have guys like Qualls at Alabama A and M, and then you got Wilkinson, who well, was his teammate, thank God. But you have all these different type of running backs that are just shifty. So yeah. if you can showcase that. At that size, I think what well, he's about maybe six one, six two, about two forty. He looks huge to me. Yeah, he yeah, he's like two forty, two fifty. Yeah, he's a big guy. So I mean he's able to move and like cover these uh cover these different angle routes and these choice routes or option routes that people call it different. If he's able to cover that on top of like I mean, we already know he's a headhunter. He can tackle. He's a yeah. tackling machine. Uh I think he averaged about ten games. So that's pretty good. That's that's there. Uh, sacks as well, so that means he's also good at blitzing. You know, you always another hurt to have a nice spy linebacker in the next level because we know a lot of these running quarterbacks now are very mobile. So I think he bolts well. I mean, I just think you know, for him, the numbers. If for people that love numbers that don't really dig into film, 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 film like we do, they want to see some numbers. So yeah, it wouldn't hurt him to get a couple of interceptions, you know. But yeah, he's solid. He's not a liability in pass coverage. So. In my personal opinion, as long as you're not a liability in pass coverage and you are a short tackler, because even though you let him catch the ball, he doesn't let them get away from him very often. He's a pretty short tackler. I think he's fine. He's a guy. He has the build. He played on both levels. I mean, I know people gave a made a big thing about you know him not going down to the media day, but we all know who the heart and soul of that defense is. We all know. And I think he has uh, Gaddy and he has uh, Davis. And I know you're very high yeah. on Davis. And that was yeah. They have a pretty – I mean, their front seven is not going to be as do- – I mean, Clint, I mean, James Houston. You can't. Like, yeah, it's yeah. impossible. Like, it, you would have to have, like, a – like, I don't even know a comparison to – you would have to have a legendary season to top that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, that was a, a really good front seven. Like, I like I said, this the Celebration Bowl <laughs> – listen, for those, <laughs> for those who know, who know, you give Buddy Poe three weeks to prepare, things happen. That's how I call it. Yeah. But let's not diminish how dominant that front seven was because we know the back end. Everybody loves the back end. I'm pretty sure we're going to talk about the back end before we leave. Oh, yeah. But that front seven is led by Aubrey Miller. So let's yeah. not forget that, okay? Don't yeah. let the like me. He's the heart and soul. He's the guy, if I'm not mistaken, he was the one that had blood running down his face. Yeah. So that tells you what kind of guy you got. So Aubrey Miller, keep doing what you're doing, brother. Keep doing what you're yeah. doing. 
that. And I think this year could be a big year for him because one, okay, in, in two different ways. Because one, I think they're going to be better at the defensive tackle spot than they are at the edge spot this last year. Because I think when you get a year more for Devontae Davis to develop, Katron Evans gets a year, you bring in True Thompson from Florida State, and they landed some Juco guys at the defensive tackle spot. All those guys are huge. I mean, they got some real size of defensive tackle. And as you know, as a D line guy, when you're a D tackle, let the guys behind you make the play, man your gap up. You know what to do. Funnel to your linebackers. And Aubrey Miller's the type of guy where if you funnel to him, yeah. it, force fumbles, big plays are bound to happen. And also, I think the coverage thing, he gets a lot of work this year because I think when you look at some of the matchups they have, Tennessee State's going to throw to uh, Devon Starling. Uh, all the, and he's great in the open field. Mm -hmm. He's he's a guy who can get out there. And if, if Albert Miller has that matchup, that's a great test to see how he works. Hugh Jackson's offense. You don't think Maurice Washington is going to get some targets in oh. that offense? You got him week three. You got Gary Quarles uh, in late in the season. They're going to give – I think Gary Quarles is going to be a much bigger part of the offense than people think, especially after Akil's glass, Akil yeah. Glass's departure. And yeah. then even when you play Alcorn, Nico Duffy is no scrub. Like, let's yeah. let's be completely honest here. The guy can play. And then whatever matchup you get in the MEAC, in my opinion, is probably central. J.J. Davis. Yeah. You got, Collier, it, you know? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and then the kid at South Carolina State was an all-conference player this preseason. You have a lot of good running backs in the MEAC, so I think what bodes well for him is the schedule lines up perfectly for him to say, this is my flaw, and here's all this great film against all conference running backs where I can hold my own. And so I think that's really what helps out Aubrey Miller this year on top of having every single D lineman on that, in that, on that defensive tackle spot. It's like 315, and they're going to be problems to move in the swag. But looking at the defensive back spot, again – a guy who I think, I because of his size, I think gets really overlooked because he's only about 5'9", 5'10", 180. Out of, out of FAMU, B.J. Bowler, Malik, looking at his game, uh, why, doesn't, why doesn't Bowler get enough credit in, in terms of the media and, and fan perception of his game? I think he was overlooked not only by Mar Marquise Bell uh, last year. I thought he was overlooked by the transfer of Collier coming in from, I think it was UCF. Um, you know, he really got, I thought he, you know, I thought he was, listen, he's, he's plays much bigger than what he is. And my comp for him is Trey Brown, who's on the Seahawks right now. He's recovering. Uh, but Trey Brown went to the senior bowl last year. Uh, bowlers on the watch list. He went to the senior bowl last year. He showed that he could play in the nickel. He showed that he could play on the outside. He could press up. He's that's the guy BJ Bowler. Whatever. Go watch Shaq Davis tape. When he comes down with the ball, BJ Davis is a missile. I mean, excuse, excuse me, BJ Bowl is a missile. He's coming flying at you. Uh, he's he's going to go up there and, and try to bring it down against anybody. You know, he he can he can he has good ball skills. He has great instincts. Uh, I really really like him in press coverage. I'll be honest with you. I feel like he's so aggressive at the line of the scrimmage and, and disruptive. He knows the sideline and he's very aware of where he is at all times. He's he uses the sideline very well to his advantage as a smaller cornerback. And I think that he gets his head around really well. Uh, he's going to fight. He's going to fight with you for those five yards. Once he gets his head around, he's going to make a play on the ball and don't let him get it. He might go take it back for six. He's very quick. Uh, I, I really like him. I, I'm. Ah, this is a good one. I, I'm really now. You can tell me what you think. I really think that he would be a great free safety too. 
I mean, yeah. I, I think <laughs> I, I look at him a lot and I'm like, damn, looking at the little guys, looking at like Buddha and, and some of these guys in the league, I'm like, damn, this guy would be a great safety too. But right now, I mean, I, I really respect him as a point. Like, I really, I really respect him. I think this is the year now with Marquise and all those guys gone. Uh, Isaiah Land is 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 is, is going to be a draft pick, but I think BJ Bowler has a real chance to be. I think he has a real chance to be the sleeper, like you said. I think he's going to stay the sleeper. I'm gonna be honest with you. I think he's going to stay the sleeper, but I think when it's all said and done, he might be the one that goes to mobile. Mobile. I think that he's when it's all said and done, he'll go to Mobile or Las Vegas and from FAMU and, and aside from Isaiah and really do his thing. He's he's solid, man. He's he's really solid. I, I gotta check the numbers, but I mean when you look at like I said, South Carolina State, when you look at some of those games last year, um damn, I'm trying to think of which game it was. Was it uh shit, I can't remember, but hey, listen. I like B.J. Davis a lot. I'm looking forward to seeing him in the Orange Blossom Classic against all of that size. I mean, you got into Kevin Coleman. You got all of those guys at Jackson State. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. He can, you can, he can travel with guys. He can do whatever. He He's very confident, too. That's what I like about him. He's very confident. You know, a lot of the smaller corners, they have a chip on their shoulder. I think he's a, he might be a little bit smaller than the Kobe Durant. I got to see him in person. But I feel like he just he plays he plays above way above where his height is. He's athletic. He's a beast when that ball's in the air, and he goes hard. Very I think scrappy. That's the word I'm looking yeah. for. He's scrappy. He's scrappy. I think looking at him, I think he is. he's not as long as Kobe Durant was. I think Durant had a little bit more length to just his frame and his arms. But for Bowler, the reason, I, even for smaller corners to worry, is are they going to get bullied by bigger receivers just because they don't have the weight? Man, that dude is built like, a, a tank for, yeah. for a corner. I mean, then that's why I think he gets away with not having as much height is that, man, I mean, really, it's really when you think about it, less, they have him listed at 5'9", 180. I think he's probably closer to 185. That's a huge frame for a guy, and he just has so much muscle. Like, the dude is ripped, and I think when you see him on one-on-one, even with a guy like Shaq Davis, who you would think could just bully him one-on-one, he couldn't just because he's so just naturally strong. At least it comes across like that on film for me. And looking at him, like you said, he can play the ball well, not afraid to be the guy. Like, that's our number one receiver. Go go lock him up, and he he can do that. Now, for the NFL, I do agree – I don't know if I don't know if I see him as like a boundary guy in the NFL. Just personally, I think he, you know, maybe you throw him in the slot, potentially a free safety, a nickel type spot. But I don't know if he's a boundary guy. But I think when you look at his production, you look at his athleticism, you look at his technique, his his leadership in the back end. I just, I, for me, I really like him. I think last year, I know we're going to talk about the guy everyone just kind of gives the consensus title to. For me, last year, I think he was the best corner in the SWAC. In just terms of overall play, production, everything, I really don't think B.J. Bowler got his credit. But, G, I'll pass it to you. How do you see Bowler projecting to the next level? Well, I think with the versatility of him being able to move to other positions on the field, that will rise rise his stock. If he's going to be primarily an outside guy, that might leave the stock where it is or might, you know, go for it might lower. But, um, yeah, the free safety idea, I guess y'all just brought that to my attention. I can see that. He has the ball skills and athleticism to be able to cover, you know, deep third. You know, he could probably be – he could be that cover one guy. And he could he yeah. could be there. He could go sideline to sideline. So I'm not opposed to that. He's probably going to be a guy that's going to have a 40-plus-inch vert because he's just really a freak athlete. Um, 
He's strong, and as you know, I love to talk about. Can you do you like to get your nose, get your head in there? And he's a very short tackler as well. And with his build, you know, he's he could take that pound and be able to make that those plays. So him playing a uh, you know a nickel corner, uh, he could definitely play zone. He's shown he can showcase zone because FAMU does both mostly. Uh, they uh, they they lean more towards zone, but anywho, he could do man and zone. And I think uh, for him. Like you said, the people want to make sure this certain guy, that's the guy. So BJ is just going to have to literally just annihilate it. So people just yeah. go, okay, all right. We can't, sorry. Like, unless he has, we're going to talk about him, but unless that guy has the season that we know he can have, mm-hmm. BJ has to be the top one. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, I just think that we, we, we'd be doing a disservice if we didn't, Get, like get that to him. Like, okay, listen, man, we we overlooked you for a multitude. Of <laughs> he said, I apologize. Yeah, we, <laughs> hey, brother, we know you good, but you know we just gotta see. But yes, if if he has a year, another solid year, like he did, like a four interception guy over, they had about over fifty mm-hmm. tackles. Yeah, that is fine. As long as his tape versus the top guys looks good and he holds those stats, he's fine. I think he'll be fine. He'll be a another guy like. Malik's an NFLPA, you know, Shrine, maybe Senior. You know, he'll probably have to he'll be another guy. Might have to do both. Might have to do two. Mm-hmm. And if he, even if he does, so be it. Just got to grind. And I, you can squeeze him day three. Yeah. Squeeze him day three. I, I, I can't see him not – you know, it's hard with these. I want all my boys to get drafted. But I'm just trying to be real. Yeah. But, yes, HBCUs and corners are looking really good right now. So, they're going to take a shot on the, our defensive back. So, We'll 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 say we'll say day three, and then worst pri- worst case priority free agent. Yeah, well, I I know I put out a tweet. It was a while ago, so I don't remember which two teams. There were already two teams that reached out to him and expressed interest um, before camp started. So that's a big thing too, is that he's already kind of on the radar. And we mentioned all these All Star games. For me, I would really like to see more guys go to the Legacy Bowl and potentially make that their go to because if all the top prospects go to the legacy bowl it's going to force the scouts to go there because you're going to want to see isaiah land you're going to and we know the senior bowl is going to be the default number one but find a way to make it to the legacy bowl and make that event just as big as some of the other all-star games we got three guys left here and two of them are are for g with the d-line one's a db so we'll get to one of the d-linemen here who i think in just in terms of pure measurables is is going to be a problem at the next level Sundiata Anderson from Grambling State, 6'5", I think potentially could be 6'6", depending on, you know, the measurements, 240, probably a little bit more by now. What do you see from Anderson, G, that just it makes this guy one of the top edge rushers in the country? He loves to stop the run, too. That's what I love. <laughs> I love to see it because, you know, I just, you know, the flying up the field thing is just not my thing. This is not how I, you know, I look at film. I'm just like, oh, this guy's just like waiting for them to pass the ball. He's gonna fly the field, and they pass the ball so big, he get a sack. This guy loves to stop the run, and I think the biggest—he's gonna have a way better year this year because of the change of defense. Last the past since he's been in Grambling State, he's been in a three-three-five. <laughs> I have a love-hate with that defense. Definitely as an edge rusher, I get into that with our boy Coach Nooks all the time. I'm more of—I need four linemen. If I don't have four linemen, I have three down. I have an edge rusher standing up. I just. The whole 3D5 thing is a it's a scheme thing. It's scheme, it's just a scheme thing that I'm just not a fan of. But 
I, when I spoke to him, he said there's a change in the defense. So he's gonna he's gonna be it's a four down line. He's gonna be the five technique. He gets to enjoy not having to just do a lot. But it did help. The three three five did help with his blitzing. So I will say that it did help with his blitzing and did help with him uh with his stunts. So that's good. It helps even in the four down lineman. You want to do a lot of different, you know, blitz schemes and stuff that helps for him. Beautiful for him. But for him, he's a 6'6", 200, probably 45, 50 plus, hand in the dirt, traditional 4'3 defense alignment. And that's nothing wrong with that. I know we love to say edge rusher. That's fine. But this guy, he is hand in the dirt, knock you back, doesn't like to get blocked, very violent hands, pretty good get off. Like I say, top three when it comes to run stopping that I got on film is only him, Jablonski Green, and Darian Brokenberg from Howard that I see. They love to stop the run. They have the strength to do it. A lot of guys want to stop the run. They just don't have, you know, the caboose to do it. But they have now, you know, you look at him, he feels he's filling out very well. Like you can tell he's a little lanky kid when he first got in, and now he's getting his body, he's getting it in, and say, okay, all right, good. So for him, Similar year, people already watching him. Once again, it was like a guy that people knew about, but they weren't really paying too much attention. So now the people watching, he has a name out there. Now they're going, okay, let me just look at this, 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 and about his game. They want to probably nitpick, but it's not much of his game that's, you know, not too much different than a lot of the guys that's been picked up from HBCUs over the years. So I like his game. I think that change of defense is going to really help him. The scheduling, you know, being with Hugh Jackson doesn't hurt. Yep. So, I mean – and I saw he was working with Jason Hatcher at the at the spring game. So that's just things like that. Like he has everything around him to be successful. They have a great linebacker core there. Grandma and I like a lot. And I think he's going to have some other help as well on the defensive line. So people going to want to throw everything they got at him. If he just showcases that that doesn't bother him, doesn't deter him, and he can still be able to do what he has to do, he'll be just fine as a prospect. He's a guy that with a great year, a nice little invite, he'll be priority agent third probably third day guy without a doubt his, his path is similar to Deshaun Dixon for last year that's what I, I think that's his yeah. path like he's a really good run defender you know he was clearly the best defender on his team uh he was a tall lanky guy big strong guy he got the invite to his east west shrine bowl he did what he's supposed to do he was killing them practices he did good in the game so I'm like listen we're not going to draft you, but you going to be the first person that we uh, sign right after this draft is done. Yeah. So that might be his story. He might go earlier, but there's nothing wrong with being a priority free agent. I just want guys to know that you're one of the very few to even get that call. So me saying that is not a slight. It's just me trying to be realistic about the situation. And I think that's a message I think everyone wants to promote. I tried to promote after the draft because everyone was like, what about this guy? What about this guy? What about this guy? I was like, guys, there's 256 picks <laughs> and like 300-something schools. And the SEC is going to have 70 players drafted. The Big Ten is going to have 40. Like, it's real hard to – like, I don't think people understand how – like, it, what it takes to be drafted right. to the NFL. So, like, like you said – the number one thing, get on a roster. As long as Marquis Bell's on a roster, we're good. As long as Deshaun Dixon's on a roster, we're good. And I'm glad that you compared them because they are physically similar. And when I was down at the Legacy Bowl, I'll never forget. I can see Anderson having this similar impact. The very first practice for the MEAC squad, I forget what the team name was called, but they had to take him off the field because the coaches were complaining that the offense couldn't get good reps. 
because every play Dixon was just blowing it up. And one of the scouts was like, they're going to have to take him off because we can't get any good notes on these offensive linemen or running backs or quarterbacks because Dixon was that dominant. And so I, I like that. But Malik, looking at you, you know, coming to you with this, what do you see about Anderson's game that that shines? And where, and, you know, do you agree as a late day three guy, potential undrafted free agent type talent? I think he's a – I definitely think right now he's a late draft pick. Um, I think with him, we look at the stories behind a lot of these players. I think with Sundiata Anderson, he has a chance to really turn the tide for Gremlin. We're talking about one of the most historic universities in our country. Uh, but for HBCU sports, Gremlin is the pinnacle uh, for a lot of people. And uh, having a guy like that to set off a new era with Hugh Jackson and all that, um, I think his offense all is going to take some time. Over in a few years, we'll really talk about Gramlin's offense and being a powerhouse again. But I think this year, Sunday out of Anderson is going to lead the way. Uh, and one thing that G didn't talk about that I thought he would have was uh, he Sunday. I was working with Chuck Smith. He's working with a lot of guys, like you said, Jason Hatcher. He's working with a lot of guys. He's getting a lot of help. And I think with Hugh and with Coach Sanders and all of them have already established. Uh, he's definitely going to get drafted. I think there's going to be one guy that the swag is going to have to get behind. Like, look, he's he's one of our guys this year. We got it. Look, he's going. You know, so once that draft time comes, I definitely think he'll be get picked. And I and I know that, like we said, at Legacy Bowl, I would love to see all of these guys at the Legacy Bowl. Um, but I think that one thing is uh, a lot a lot of these guys are going to have to play, like G said, two games. I think if he can play in the Legacy Bowl and get a chance to go to Cali for the PA Bowl or one of these bowls, and we have to use these to set precedent because all of these players that went to these bowl games, they got drafted or or they got a call. They're on the team right now. So I think, like mm-hmm. you said, building up the legacy bowl to where if we could say, okay, look, we got to the point where we got Shadur Sanders and Andrew Body in a few years. Yeah. Hey, New Orleans would be a lovely city with the best of the best, you know. But like you said, I think this year he's definitely got to play two games. Uh, but long term, with the ceiling is high. His ceiling is high. I like him a lot. Yeah, I can see him developing. I think also he got kind of got overlooked, and I think the guy we're going to talk about next also had this problem where the team struggles kind of people really weren't paying as much attention because we both we all know even the it's sad it's like that, but people who aren't watching film aren't tuning in to watch you know a three and whatever team face a two and whatever team and so grambling struggles last year kind of hurt him if grambling gets hot and pulls off a jackson state upset pulls off an arkansas state and kind of gets rolling under hugh jackson anderson's a name that i think you're going to see all over social media going into next season but one more dilemma before we get to the prospect I know everyone wants us to talk about because I got hit up as soon as I posted the picture. I got DMs already making sure because he went on the thumbnail. Right. But we got to talk about Isaiah Williams, man, because this is a guy that, in my opinion, I think it might be one of the most overlooked players we've talked about today yeah. just because of where he plays in Delaware State. Even though I'll say this, not not any part about this show, Delaware State is going to be a problem this year. That defense is going to be a problem as a whole, Asias Guthrie and the secondary and some other guys. But, G, Isaiah Williams, 6'2", almost 300 pounds. How do you see him projecting to the next level? And As a D-line coach, what do you like about his game? Well, let me first put my agenda out here. HBCUs, recruit in New York. Recruit <laughs> New York. I'm telling you, there are gems here. Okay, Isaiah Williams. His brother actually, uh, his brother played at Wagner College. Uh, his brother's in the NFL. So there's pedigree there. Oh, 
Isaiah Williams was training with guess who? Because, you know, his brother plays for the Colts. So just imagine what legendary Colts player decided to train Isaiah Williams in the offseason. Robert freaking Mathis. So clearly, he's, if Robert Mathis stamps Isaiah Williams, <laughs> what about, okay, I was going to agree. But, you know, of course I'm going to do my due diligence. So Isaiah Williams, says, I've watched him about, since about two years now. I've been watching him because he's from the – I follow my New York kids that go to HBCUs. I, that's my that's, – I have to. So for him, he – when I talk about run stopping, he's in that top – I didn't say top five, but he's in my top five. Like interior-wise, he's a – it's him. Him and Dumas are my favorite interior, like, run stoppers. Like, they're really good and determined to stop the run. And he's probably the most versatile defensive lineman we have. He's, he plays literally every position on defensive line. Five technique, four eye, three. He can play the nose and pass. Actually, he played the nose and run situations too. So he just does it all. He has very violent hands. He has arms. He can probably scratch his knees standing up. It's <laughs> this beautiful thing to see when he and his 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 strike. Like so for, for my for my office alignment over here. If you can get a nice heavy punch right to an office line sternum, they diaphragm, and you just knock them back, it's it's hard to recover from that. Because one, you die from knocks your wind. That's a whole thing. I've seen him knock guys back. You could tell like he knocks the wind out of off his alignment when he puts him back. He likes to reset the line of scrimmage in the backfield. Double teams do not affect him. If you want to play interior, if you want to play interior, two people, that should be like one. Okay. You just can't be like, oh, I got double team coach, so I couldn't make the play. That's not how this works over here. So that's when you have when you're okay, when you're good and you're great. He is great at defeating double teams, even triple teams, because guess what? People know that he is the guy. Now, uh, they have um, Marcus uh, Winfield as well, who's another guy that, you know, he's a really good player too. So that's a nice little tandem they have there on their defensive line. But when it comes to Isaiah Williams, he has the pedigree. He's been training with Robert Mathis. People know he's the best, arguably the best defensive player on their team, arguably the best player on their team, most well-decorated player on their team. And – Delaware State defense, they were, I mean. At, number one. Yeah. Number one of the conference. Yeah. So, I mean, we looked at them. I mean, you know, we, we you know, we covered Bowie State too. But Bowie State is a powerhouse in D2. And what they did to Bowie State, I mean, they made them look like <laughs> a D2 school. I mean, that doesn't happen often. Like, Bowie State is usually pretty dominant. But what they did to Bowie was phenomenal. So, I mean, Delaware State has a really good defense. And it's led by their front seven because their front seven is just they move. A lot, and also when it comes to stunts, when we talk about stunting and going to different gaps, Isaiah Williams is very smart when he comes to going to different gaps. Even against the run, when he goes from a B, when he goes from a strong side A to a weak side B, he stays very tight and stays in his gap, and he's able to move like that as well. So he's one of my favorite interior guys. Like it's you know him and Dumas are probably up there in my top. You know I love Gentle Hunt. I don't think he gets yeah. enough credit. Uh, Davis is my guy from J- uh, JSU. Is another one. So like. Those guys are up there, and Isaiah has to be in that um, that discussion. I'm glad people are noticing him. He's going to get a look for multiple reasons. One, like I said, Robert, Robert Mathis trains him. Two, his brother's in the NFL and a pretty productive player as well and was a really good FCS player. So, And then three, he is their guy. And when it comes to the MEAC, it's Jablonski Green, it's Darian Brokenberg, it's Isaiah Williams. Those are your – those are your defensive linemen that everybody thought, well, Patrick Godbolt, who I, you know, I'm in yeah. love with. Well, he gets, 
That's the whole thing. He get bigger, faster, strong. He'll be fine. Yeah. But when it comes to like when you talk about a MIAC defensive line, it's Broken Bird, Williams, and Johnson Green. So those three guys are, you know, they have to get a look. So we're talking about projection wise. Listen, he's 6'2, almost 300 pounds, very versatile. If he tests well, he gets invited, HBC Legacy Bowl, NFL PA, whatever it may be. And maybe even if Delaware State could find a way to get <laughs> into Atlanta, that would be yeah. um if he could get to Atlanta, that would be so special for him. That would probably be like, okay, we have to draft this kid. But even if that doesn't happen, he's still a priority guy. Priority free agent, low, you know. Highest, I'll say around six, seven, but priority free agent for sure. You can't have a guy with that versatility, that ability, and that, that willingness to want to stop the run. And I'm not taking away anything from his pass run. He has a really good pass repertoire as well. He's very yeah. good with his club, very good with his chop, nice swipe. And he has really good bend. You can tell he has very strong ankles too. So working with Robert Madden is only going to refine that. So we're about to see probably his best season yet. I, I agree, and they—that's th- one defense. I, I was talking to uh, Coach Milstead. They returned all eleven starters on that defense this year. That d- disgusting. And you got Isaiah Williams, you got Isaiah Guthrie, you got some other guys in yeah, that really? secondary. I yeah, mean, they—they they got some dogs. And I, I love how all the linemen you announced um, were on our pre-all conference team for the MEAC this year mm-hmm. already. This preseason, all dogs. I love Broken Bird's game too. But for Isaiah Williams, I think due to his height even though he can play all the positions, if he gets to the next level, I think he does still project as like that three tech. Yeah. I don't see him playing much on the edge. Maybe maybe in a certain situations, like, but I, I, I see him projecting as a D tackle at the next level. And looking at his frame on film, I haven't got to see him play in person yet. I'm hoping to see him this year. He looks like he can carry more than 295 and not lose any athleticism. I mean, and I, I think you talked about that earlier. The NFL teams really aren't concerned if you need to gain 10, 15 pounds because that's a training camp yeah. for a lot of those NFL guys. That With the amount of resources you're going to have, I wouldn't be surprised if he – winds up 310 on a roster next year and we'll see kind of what his measurements are but I, I agree with you in terms of defensive tackles I think it's him and Dumas right now Tyler Martinez is in that conversation too down at Texas Southern I like him and of course you know gentle Hunt and Davis but you know let's get to our last guy you know I, I kept you guys on here a long time so we got one more player to talk about and it's a guy who for the past I think since he committed to Jackson State has been the most talked about guy on a roster in terms of the next level that I, I it's been a long time. Yeah. So Malik, I'll start with you as the defensive bat guy. Does John nugget Warren, what do you see from him? And right now looking at what's happening is there's been a lot of debate about this. Where do you project him in this class in terms of DB rankings? Because I think talent wise he's there, but there's a lot of people who are going to argue that the production isn't there yet. Yeah. I, I think I, I knew that was the first thing he was going to say. Uh, <laughs> And it is important. It It is is important. Um, So last year, what you got to look at is everything. Last year, he had a guy opposite him and Al Young who was a no-fly zone. I mean, Al Young was so productive with the pass deflections and everything. Just I think you got to look at what he brings to the table. I mean, I think that he's very – first of all, he's a very smart player. Uh, He took – he, for for the for a good portion of the season, he took away his side of the field. To me, I thought he took away his side of the field, and I think that's like a it's a Namdi Asmawa situation here, uh, where it's like, do you value a guy that takes away the field or a guy that's going to 
get the ball back for you or, you know, or give you the high the numbers of uh, deflections and pass, you know, pass breakups. Um, this is a crucial year for him. I, 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 I don't know exactly. I think it is up in the air in terms of what his projection is right now. I think that all teams can see this as an NFL corner. Uh, I, I think that's undeniable. Um, the question is, what direction does he go this year? Because you got, like you said, you got Travis Corner. Uh, sorry, Travis Hunter. You got so much talent in Jackson State secondary that it's like this year. I think that this will be a more productive year in terms of uh, of turnovers and all of that because he just has to separate himself from the pack. Uh, he he he's a great athlete too. I mean, like special teams. I mean, he's he does a lot, but. We need more. I mean, that's it, really. I mean, for for you to be the guy um, on the best – well, not the best, but the second best HBCU team, you know what I'm saying, uh, the defense that he's got and everything, I mean, you got you to gotta be the guy all the way across the board. I definitely think that he has a chance this year to make a significant leap. I just don't know what to make exactly of – where he is as a prospect compared to the rest of our class of cornerbacks. So I think like with Bowler and all of those guys, for them to get on the senior bowl and for him not to be, you know, on some of these lists and stuff, it's, it should be fuel to the fire for him. I think he has the size. I think he has the athleticism. I think he has the versatility to be the number one corner representing the HBCUs and FCA. Uh, um, yeah, you know, like it just comes down to – the production. It comes down to the production. Uh, I don't think Kevin Hunter is, uh, I don't think, uh, sorry, Travis Hunter is going to play a, a great amount of snaps at boundary corner. I don't think, you know, I think that it's going to be more so on Dejon Warren to really be the anchor for that secondary. I mean, Shiloh, uh, I really like Cam, um, but Shiloh, all those guys, he's the best out of the bunch right now. I think that he just has to step up and, and really be the guy for Jackson State defense. You know, no Al Young, no none of these guys in his way. This is this is this is it for you. I mean, this is it. This is it. I, and especially being from PG County and all that, I've been rooting for him. I, I just want him to, to take another leap. And like I said, this this is one thing I just want to say. All of these guys we're talking about, I think all of us can agree that they're pretty much a fringe guy or they're going to the NFL. You know, so I definitely think with, with the names that we're talking about, it's all about taking it to that next level. Uh, and and uh, either masking some of these weaknesses or just or just continuing to grow as players. And for him, I mean, we just got to be clear cut on what he is. You know, is he is he a ball hawk? Is he going to be a shutdown? Or is he going to be a shutdown guy where we're not throwing the ball to him? Or is he going to be a ball hawk where he's he's getting challenged and he's is 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 he's regulating? So that's what we're going to see this year. And I think a lot of the games in the schedule will, will show with the different type of receivers he's facing. Campbell is going to be the most important game in the schedule for me for Jackson State. So really looking forward to seeing what he does this year. I think right now, if I had to give you something, I'm going to stick with the grade that I had on him last year. I think he's a fourth-round corner right now. I, I think that's a fair comparison. I think, you know, a guy in the secondary who I think a lot of people overlook, and I didn't put him on here because he hasn't played a snap in the swack yet. So I think it's unfair to kind of put him in this conversation. Is Gregory great, too? at that safety spot coming from Middle Tennessee State. I think when you look at what he can do in pass coverage, coming up and playing in the box, very versatile. I'm sure it's a guy that we'll talk about when we have you guys on probably after the season. But with with, with Nugget, you know, I got a relationship with his dad, and I've talked to Nugget. You know, my thing is I think if you just took a blind 
film breakdown. Like you blacked out the player, don't know who it is. You just watch like, okay, speed, athleticism, measurables, everything. Like no question he's the guy in terms of all, like he has all the attributes that you would want in a corner. But then I think when you take the totality of the game, being suspended for games, not getting on the field in certain quarters and crucial situations, it's like, man, that really takes away from the thing. So I, even though I think he 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 is a talent in terms of a second, third, fourth round, it's just this year is crucial, man, because I, I heard from some of the guys who are Bennett Jackson State's defensive practices. What I've heard is they're going to put Travis on the number one guy and let Nugget travel with the next guy to try to kind of force balls, funnel balls to Nugget. And so if that happens and that works how they're planning it, That'd be. I, I'm going to be interested to see how he holds up because you got Xavier Smith week one, and there, there's that, that wide receiving core is really three or four guys deep. Yeah. I would love to see him against Abdul and out against Alabama A&M and Mobile. Campbell has a great quarterback with some real studs wide receiver. Got a great tight end as well. But then I think a game that people are overlooking is Tennessee State. They have some. Ia Thornton. Re, all yeah, exactly. All those guys. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and with Draylon Ellis, yeah, Dr yeah, Draylon Ellis coming in uh, as well at that quarterback spot, who I think gives him a. I even I love Hickbottom. I feel like Ellis's upside is a little bit more than what they had offensively with him. He could be a lot more explosive. I, I'll, I think yeah. that's probably the best way to put it. it but is. coming to, coming to UG, I know me and you have talked on Twitter about Dijon, where we kind of went back and forth on it. What what's your thoughts on him as a prospect right now? And you know, give me the ceiling, give me the floor for Dijon Nugget Warren right now. It's, it's hard because, you know, even when we had the convo, I had to really – I sat back. I was like, let me go talk to my guy, Nooks, man. And that's my DB guy. We go up together. And I'm he's just like, listen, it's very simple. If Nugget had the year he had and he was playing for Alabama, he'll be fine. But the sad part is, is he's, at, he's at Jackson State. So him being as, you know, highly touted as he was, I mean, he was the number one guy in Juco. I mean, he was the number one. Like, everybody wanted him. People can lie now if they want. Every FBS, yep. SEC, they all wanted him. And he chose Jackson State. So what he's supposed to do when he gets to Jackson he's supposed to be like, okay, he has to make it look like he's not supposed to be there. And whatever that may mean. Because, you know, like I said, yeah. I I, I kind of don't like the weird distinction. FBS, but it is a distinction. But but you get what I mean. But he has to look like, okay, I could be here, but I'm here because I want to be here, not that I have to be here. So it just looked like, you know, he was he was doing good. It just wasn't the great that we know. And then when you come from a, a school like Lackawanna that produces, I mean, like, listen, Dogs. You, like for the kids in New York City that are really good at football but didn't have the grades, they go to Lackawanna. The really good ones go to Lackawanna. Nooks went to Lackawanna. So that's why he could tell me about Nugget, like the back of his hand, because he's tapped into Lackawanna. So Nugget mentally – it's going to be fine. I know there's a lot of things yeah. that happen all the field that just he's going to be just fine. Now, I don't want stats to be like because it's sometimes with corners is hard because we mm -hmm. all know about Trayvon Diggs. We all yeah. know. His <laughs> we so know I, the whole debate. Yeah. So it's like, OK, <laughs> what do you want? Do you want the guy that's going to give up 1,200 yards receiving over the year? But he's going to give you about 10. He's going to get about 10, 11, 12 turnovers. Or do you want the guy to just completely shut the field down? Has maybe he's like a five tackles, eight PBU, two interception guy, but his tape says, "Well, what do you want him to do? You want him to throw to him?" So that's why I want to see. 
when I when I look at Nugget this year, when we all do, we want to just sit back and be like, okay, they didn't throw to him. They yeah. threw him twice this game. And there's a reason why. He lived, the, the receiver couldn't get off the line. When it comes to press corner, with his athleticism, because he's a big dude, he's about 6'1". He's like six, yeah, six two, I think, if I'm not mistaken. And runs a four three or four four. Yeah, two hundred pounds plus. Yeah, like, that's crazy. That's a big corner. So if he decides he wants you to get off the line, then you shouldn't be able to. So if he can showcase the things that made him the number one JUCO recruit and just do what we know he can do, it's really not gonna be a debate between him and Bola, even though Bola is phenomenal. But we knew, we know this is what Nugget can do. We know this is what you can do, and. You know, now the whole thing about him traveling, oh, I would love to see him on a number one more than him travel. But teach his own, and I trust. Hey, and that, that could be smokescreen, too. You I never know so. nowadays. <laughs> you never know. Uh, that, that that came from the 1400 Club. So okay. we'll see We'll see how accurate that is. But I can't – I don't know. I would rather be the opposite. Put Nugget on the number one and let tra- and let Travis travel. There we go. i let him do that. But, yeah, Nugget is – and we talk about projection. If he has a year we know he's supposed to have, but there's no question he's getting drafted. Now, where? That's up to him. When he tests and he runs his 4-3 and he puts up 225, he might clip 20 times. He looks strong. You never yeah. know. So if he does stuff like that, then it's not, not a question. I mean, Malik, you might be able to help me out with a round, but, I mean, QB. He said fourth. He got. Fourth, he said fourth. Right. Yeah. I just thought about it. What it's going to come down to is realistically throughout this season, We'll know how far DeJuan Warner is going to go by how far Deion Sanders goes. Like, Ooh, just in yeah. terms of advocating for him, I mean, for real, for real, we're talking That's about true. the greatest corner ever. Yeah. I mean, Al Young, all of those guys, they he didn't really get time with them. No. So, mm-hmm. for DeJuan Warren, this is a little bit more time with a guy that he really can mold and we all clearly see has the trace to go to the NFL. I think if Deion Sanders really starts talking more about DeJuan Warren and saying, okay, look, you know, because he'll tell you, are y'all going to be down here? Ooh, ooh. Yeah. I think if we get to that point, we're going to know. I'm sticking with four right now. But I think, I mean, like you said, the intangibles, the traits, the measurements, everything. There's no reason for this guy. If he was anywhere else, he we'd be talking about a day two corner. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So, like, I feel like he'll tell us everything that we need to know. I feel like, like I said, the most important game on that schedule for Jackson State is Campbell. If they come out of that game as a winner, a decisive winner, we're going to look at all of the breakdowns of all of the players and all of that stuff and really say, okay, this is the guy that's going. He's going on Sundays. He's playing Sundays. He's playing Sundays. He's playing Sundays. Because if they beat Campbell, they're rolling. They're rolling on that schedule, in my yeah. opinion. And I think that uh, it's going to tell a lot. But I I, I'm, I I got high hopes for DeJon Warren. I think that he knows that this year is, is the year. And looking at all, like you said, the ones and the twos across the slack, man. C.J. Bowler is another guy. Vanderbilt. Oh, yeah. Huge guy. He can move. I think he reminds me of Gabe Davis. It's some Ja'Cory Rankin. I mean, it's so yeah. many guys. Greg White at Grambling. There's so many guys that you can think of in, in the SWAC just alone that's going to really give them some looks, man. They're going to – I want to see what DeJon Warren does. I think he's going to have a much more – he's going to be forced to have a much more productive season because I think people are going to test Travis because, like, everybody's like – you see how Connell uh, Maynard and all that, man, they listen. You got to shut me up. So I feel yeah. like Connell Maynard and all those guys, when you got Abdul Fatah Ibrahim and Kendrick Johnson and all them guys, like, look, man, I, could, I got weapons I could send at y'all. So I feel like DeJon Warren is going to have to produce uh, to, to to really prove himself and for Jackson State to get really get respect, at least in the first few weeks again, because they reloading too. So 
That's why he shouldn't travel. I want him yeah. to go one on one with Ibrahim all game. That yeah, I'm, with, I'm with the best of the best. You always got to put the best with the best. Man. And like yeah. even Valley with Jacory Rankin is not yeah. a scrub. No. And then Bethune Cookman landed Corey Reed this all season that people That's just true. seem to forget too. And Corey Reed yeah. can ball. And then with him combined with Kamari. Yeah. So uh, that's gonna be right, dangerous, gotta, man. You gotta go with to exactly. Yeah, and then te- Texas yeah, Southernland is some highly ranked guys out of JUCO and things like that to come in to yeah. replace some of their wide receivers. It's not gonna be a an easy road, and that's why I think you know talking to his dad and talking to Nugget. Like, I mean, the focus is there. Like, you can tell the motivation is there, and sometimes. Man, like that's the scariest thing is like guy who has the intangibles now has that, like that fire inside to be yeah. like, hey, everyone's yeah. got to shut up now. That could be dangerous. And also with Travis possibly forcing some passes his way. And the question is now, I, th- I wonder if the DBs too for Jackson State, and this is just before we end the show, I wonder if James Houston and what he was doing up front really hurt the potential targets that because you know Nuggets not going to get a lot of targets anyway, yeah. but. When you got a guy that has 25 like sacks, and then you got they always under pressure because there were some times in that Texas Southern Bethune game where they were trying to stretch the field and the quarterback just couldn't get the ball off. Like they was having to throw it away and things. And so it's like, I wonder if Jackson State D line not being as dominant in terms of pass rush could open up some more potential opportunities for him to kind of show himself off in coverage. And that's just like another layer to what that Jackson State defense was because James Houston. Could yeah. not be stopped at times last year. That was that was a lot. I mean, it was yeah, all phases. He was dominating on special teams. I mean, like, I'm right. Yeah, <laughs> like was, like that PV game. I mean, uh, what did you want Jawan Pass to do? Like, yeah, what dude, could he have done? Especially as a more conservative passer, he was he was in he was in shambles, man. <laughs> yeah. Both of the quarterbacks are running for their life. I mean, one got to run from Dumas and one got to run from Houston. So, I mean, good luck running away. So, I mean, I, yeah. listen. Like y'all all made the good points about Nugget. There's no way he's gonna have another year like this. Like, no. no way. If I had to put money on it, I still think he's the top, a top, not a top. Uh, I guess fourth or better round pick, in my opinion. Just, yeah. just because because we see guys get reached on anyway due to potential, yeah. and I, and I just don't see because you know you mentioned it, Malik. You know, Coach Prom hasn't been scared to really. I mean, he was promoting James Houston mm-hmm. left and right in the all season. And when I look at Nugget, he is the first player that I feel like he's almost like he went to Jackson State just for Coach Prom, and like that's almost like Coach. Like I almost look at Coach Prom as like his mentor. Yeah. And so I just can't see him allowing Nugget to be overlooked. Even like, let's say Nugget has a C plus B minus year. I still don't see Dion letting him, you know, fall to the wayside or anything like that. Like, I feel like it's going to be a full run, you know, inst- you know, Instagram, Twitter, every single day reminding you how good Nugget is. Yeah. yeah. And I definitely think, like you said, the relationship that they have, I also feel like that Dion is not going to throw him to the wolves too early. So I don't feel like with this year, with everything going on and all the pressure that they got coming in on them, I don't feel like he'll say, DeJon Warren is going to be the number one guy this year, da 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 But over the course of the season, we'll start to see him uh, kind of, you know, advocating more for him. Because like I said, we're also talking about the number one corner in many people's eyes ever. So I don't yeah. care who it is. If he was, even if he was at Alabama, I'm not expecting for him to overly advocate towards corners just like that. That endorsement should mean the world to everyone. So I definitely feel like through the course of this season, if he's able to earn Dion's respect, 
he will have no problem championing and parading for him to, to get what he deserves. So that's something I'm looking for this season. Straight out the gate, week one, you know, just to see how he he's attacked and how he responds. Man, well, guys, an hour and a half. I can't thank y'all enough, man. I, I mean, you guys brought the heat today. And look, we're definitely got to get you guys back on because there's some prospects that I think we're all high on, but we could we can't do a four-hour yeah, show every time. Yeah, these guys are busy. So we'll get back to Jason yeah. Dumas and some of these guys sometime during the season. But, guys, one last time, plug yourselves, plug Draft HPCU, man. Let people know where they can find you guys. Gerald, you want to go first, bro? Yeah, uh, Gerald Huggins, once again, uh, you follow me on Twitter at Coach underscore Huggins Jr. Um, I drop my uh, weekly breakdowns, mostly defensive linemen. Uh, I should be bringing out some more very soon. Yeah, he kind of skimmed over some stuff, but yeah, this this man works hard. You know, he's a coach. He's at everything, you know what I'm saying? He got, we got a lot of, like you said, this is a great draft class, and, and Gerald does a lot of work, weekly work, making sure that people know who these guys are now. So that next April, we can we can kind of have some insight and be prepared on draft night all weekend looking for our prospect. Um, you can follow us at Draft HBCU. Draft HBCU Recruits is our second platform, trying to be that pipeline for high school players looking to get information or access to HBCUs, try to figure out where they want to go. And for schools to kind of figure out where these guys are at regionally or whatever and, and see what they can do to get them in the building. Um, you can follow me at NFL Malik on Twitter. Uh yeah, uh shout out to my guy uh Beezy, my my boy Tim and Nooks who are on here right now. They're not on with us. But yeah, shout out to the team. Please go to our Instagram at draft HBCU players or go to our Twitter and click the link in either of our bios and download our game draft HBCU 22. It is available, it works for iPhone, it works for computers, Nintendo Classic, whatever you got. Just you go to our pages, you'll see how to download it, how to play. Um, like I said earlier on Twitter. 2022-23 draft HBCU players, draft guide. Everybody's going to have their own section. So G's going to have all of this information with all of these D-line guys and anybody else that he chooses, he's going to have his own section. We're all going to have our own sections. we got a lot coming. It's going to have projections for USFL, XFL, not only NFL, um, more comps. You know, more leagues means more opportunity for our guys, and that's what it all comes down to. Uh, for us, we want to set the precedent to aim high, shoot for the moon if you miss you amongst the stars, because that's what it's going to take to get to the NFL. Um, there's nothing else that we can do. We can't make tweets. We can't do anything like that. We got to do the work right now. So hopefully this interview inspires all of these players to do what they got to do to get to the next level. But some of these other guys to get more talk about their name and to make sure we get as many HBCU players as we can on the NFL radar or all the other leagues. That's the goal. That's where we at, and that's what we on for the rest of this year and forever. <laughs> Hey man, I I absolutely love it, guys. Um, Twitter, Instagram, everything will be linked at the in the description of the video, man. Make sure to go follow Draft HBCU and my guy G and Malik individually on Twitter and Instagram. But guys, we'll have both of these guys back on throughout the season as these players start balling out. There's always surprise guys who emerge out of nowhere as future NFL prospects, just like James Houston last year. But for G, for Malik, for myself, for Draft HBCU, we are out for right now, guys. <laughs>